Hello everyone and welcome back to the Drunken Storytellers podcast. We're in season four at the moment and I've promised to kind of go back to more folklore, mythology and tales from religions from around the world and things with a bit of discussion. I kind of started that last episode and and maybe even the first episode um, of this as well. Of, of season four, yes, that was all. Words. Mm. Sorry, I've, I've been ill with COVID over the last couple of weeks because yay and so my brain's a bit scattery anyway yeah so we started kind of the folklore thing again last last episode which was episode 50 by the way so that was a good thing i quite enjoyed it as well as going into arthurian tales of romance and the douchery of knights who don't actually rescue people when they need to um, and they just kind of leave the woman hanging around in a cave until she's actually in danger and then he can only rescue her because he has the help of a lion yeah, that episode was quite fun. Uh, it was a Mabinogion episode. So that was, always, as always, one of my favourite books and story collections. So this time, oh, not this time, this episode, we're going to look at some stories that stretch back thousands of years. Um, all the way back down to ancient Mesopotamia, uh, through up to the 12th century. 12th, 13th century. This is going to be two episodes mainly because i just thought I'd, i i kind of like the idea of separating these things out so we're going to be looking at the wonderful mysterious dark evil strong independent creature known today as lilith in this first episode i'm going to tell a few tales that contain stories of the mother of demons uh, from history uh, I'm going to keep this in relation to religion, so I'm not going to look at literature, so I'm not going to look at Goethe's Faust uh, and things like that. Um, so I'm going to try and keep it to a religious and historical context. So I'm going to tell some tales today in this episode with a small amount of discussion of kind of where the tale comes from, not just read you the tale. Uh, but there won't be too much too much detail. I'm going to, in the next episode, she go into a discussion of, of various parts of the Lilith story, um, like the history, the controversies, whether she was a half donkey and things like that. So grab yourself a drink, sit back and enjoy the tales. Inanna and the Hulupu tree. So the first time Lilith actually appears in text is in a, is in Tablet 12 of the Assyrian Akkadian translation of the great Sumerian poem, The Epic of Gilgamesh. This thing is awesome. Do recommend going and reading it. It is quite long. I'm not going to read the whole thing here. We don't have six hours. So I'm only going to read a, selection, a part of it, which is Inanna and the Hulupu Tree. Uh, I'm going to read a translation by Samuel Kramer from 1938. This is only a small part of the, the full story. I couldn't get the full story in public domain, at least from the short bit of looking I did, because I went down a rabbit hole of actually looking into like the academic studies and stuff. And before we even start this, this is, this is already controversial in, in saying that this is Lilith. Kramer translated Kisikililake as Lilith, um, where Lil is a demon um, in Mesopotamian Sumerian mythology, but we'll go into that in more detail 
in part two as to why that may not actually be Lilith. So we'll start with this story. Um, I'll include a link in the notes um, as to where I got this from, where I got the translation from, so you can go find it. And there's actually a discussion in that paper as to kind of the problems with translations and stuff and where he, where he got all his translations and things from. On with the story. After heaven and earth had been separated, and mankind had been created, after Anum, Enil, and Eriskigal had taken possession of heaven, earth, and the underworld, after Enki had set sail for the underworld, and the sea ebbed and flowed in honour of its lord, on this day a halupu tree, which had been planted on the banks of the Euphrates and nourished by its waters, was uprooted by the south wind and carried away by the Euphrates. A goddess who was wandering among the banks seized the swaying tree, and, at the behest of Anu and Enil, brought it to Inanna's garden in Uruk. Inanna tended the tree carefully and lovingly. She had hoped to have a throne and a bed made for herself from its wood. After ten years the tree had matured, but in the meantime she found to her dismay that her hopes could not be fulfilled because during that time a dragon had built its nest at the foot of the tree. The zoo bird was raising its young in the crown, and the demon Lilith had brought her house to the middle. And the demon Lilith had built her house in the middle. But Gilgamesh, who had heard of Inanna's plight, came to her rescue. He took his heavy shield, killed the dragon, and his heavy bronze axe, which weighed seven talents and seven minutes. Then the zoo bird flew away. Then the zoo bird flew into the mountains with its young, while Lilith, petrified with fear, tore down her house and fled into the wilderness. Next up we have Song of the Sage, and this is from the Dead Sea Scrolls. Now, I'm guessing most of you have heard of what have heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls, sometimes known as the Qumran Cave Scrolls. These are ancient Jewish and Hebrew religious manuscripts, likely to have been written between 300 BC and the 1st century, and they were discovered between like 1946 and 1956 in the Qumran Caves, hence the name Qumran Cave Scrolls, on the northern shore of the Dead Sea, hence the name the Dead Sea Scrolls. There's only a very short um, mention uh, the Dead Sea in, in the songs of, songs of the Sage, um, I'm going to read two versions of it. The first one is from Gettys Gettysburg College. I'll include the link in that. There is a slightly longer version. Unfortunately, I've actually taken this from Wikipedia. It does have a reference of where that comes from, uh, which is a book which I don't own. So I will include the link to the book in uh, my notes. All, all, all of the links to where I got these stories from will be in the show notes, so don't worry about that. So yeah, I will read those two. Again, it's only a very, very short thing. This episode is going to be quite short. These stories aren't very long. So enjoy the Songs of the Sage. And I, the Sage, sound the majesty of his beauty to terrify and confound all the spirits of destroying angels and the bastard spirits, the demons, Lilith, and those that strike suddenly to lead astray the spirit of understanding, and to make desolate their heart. 
and I, the instructor, proclaim his glorious splendor so as to frighten and to terrify all the spirits of the destroying angels, spirits of the bastards, demons, Lilith, howlers, and desert dwellers, and those which fall upon men without warning to lead them astray from a spirit of understanding and to make their heart and their desolate during the present dominion of wickedness and predetermined time of humiliations for the sons of light by the guilt of the ages of those smitten by iniquity not for eternal destruction but for an era of humiliation for transgression Beyond the Songs of the Sage, there is actually another mention in the Dead Sea Scrolls, and this is in Isaiah 34.14, and the Great Isaiah Scroll, and this reads, listen carefully now, see if you can tell me, or see if you can pick out what's slightly different about the mention of Lilith here than the other ones. Desert cats will meet hyenas, and goat demons will call for each other. There too. Liliths will settle, and they will find themselves a place of rest. Did you catch it? Uh, maybe a little bit hard on the, uh, the recording to catch that, but it, it's not Lilith. In this version, it is Liliths. It's a plural, and I will talk more about that in part two. Again, the links for things in, in the show notes... The longer version of the Songs of the Sage comes from an academic textbook published by a company called Brill, who are renowned for charging a lot of money for their books. And in this case, it's about £200. So, hmm, hmm, yes. Uh, As I'm kind of going through these actually in a chronological order, in, in where Lilith appears throughout the the storytelling aspect of, of her. We've gone from Mesopotamia through to um, the Dead Sea Scrolls, so a couple of thousand years BC to B, uh, turn, of the, turn of the BCE to CE. Uh, now we're going to head forward a little bit long, a little bit more further forward, a couple of hundred years, to what is known as the Babylonian Talmud. And this is where Lilith shows up more and becomes more scholarly and it's kind of the the beginning of the connections to mysticism curses protective spells and amulets uh, and also where we start to see incantation bowls kind of appear more more regularly within the abrahamic religions the talmud is a vast and i do mean vast collection of jewish laws and traditions um, and you can find a collection of some of the tracks over on sacredtext.org um, if you just Google Talmud, do be careful. It can lead you to dark places of the internet and lots of really stupidly idiotic people and anti-Semitic tripe. Um, but if you Google the, the Babylonian Talmud, it's a little bit nicer. I'm going to skip over most of this, in fact all of it, um, because it's not really stories. It's more of how Jewish traditions and mysticism deals with interactions personally with Lilith, how to protect children and mothers and and things like that. So we'll deal with that in part two. But moving on from the Talmud. The alphabet of Sirach, 
or the alphabet of Bin Sirah. This was written sometime between 700 and 1000 AD, and we'll probably one day have an episode on it, because it has a lot of cool stuff in it. It's not specifically related to, to Lilith. It's kind of a, a weird satirical collection of proverbs and stories about a person called Ben Sirah. Uh, and it's where we first find the idea of Lilith being the wife of Adam. But yeah, so this is kind of where, where we start to see Lilith as the wife of Adam and she starts to stick two fingers up to God and the patriarchy. And, and where people kind of start to see that idea and draw inspiration of her as a modern feminist icon. Uh, I, again, I will leave the link to where I got this from. This comes from archive.org, so you can go find out there if you want to read it. Soon afterward, the young son of the king took ill. Said Nebuchadnezzar, Heal my son. If you don't, I will kill you. Bin Sirah immediately sat down and wrote an amulet with the holy name, and he inscribed on it the angels in charge of medicine by their names forms and images, and by their wings, hands, and feet. Nebuchadnezzar looked at the amulet and asked, Who are these? Ben Sirah answered, The angels who are in charge of medicine, Senoi, Sensenoi, Semangeloth. While God created Adam, who was alone, he said, It is not good for man to be alone. He also created a woman from the earth, as he had created Adam himself, and called her Lilith. Adam and Lilith immediately began to fight. She said, I will not lie below. And he said, I will not lie beneath, but only on top, for you are fit only to be in the bottom position, while I am the superior one. Lilith responded, We are equal to each other, inasmuch as we are both created from the earth. But they would not listen to one another. When Lilith saw this, she pronounced the ineffable name and flew away in the air. Adam stood in prayer before his creator. Sovereign of the universe, he said, the woman you gave me has run away. At once the Holy One, blessed be he, sent these three angels to bring her back. Said the Holy One to Adam, she agrees to come back, what is made is good. If not, she must permit one hundred of her children to die every day. The angels left God and pursued Lilith whom they overtook in the mist of the sea, in the mighty waters wherein the Egyptians were destined to drown, they told her God's word. But she did not wish to return. The angels said, We shall drown you in the sea. Leave me, she said. I was created only to cause sickness to infants. If the infant is male, I have dominion over him for eight days after his birth, and if female, for twenty days. When the angels heard Lilith's word, they insisted she go back. But she swore to them by the name of the living and eternal God, Whenever I see you or your names or your forms in an amulet, I will have no power over that infant. She also agreed to have one hundred of her children die every day. Accordingly, every day one hundred demons perish. And for the same reason, we write the angels' names on the amulets of the young children. When Lilith sees their names, she remembers her oath, and the child recovers. And last, but no no means least, we have the Book of Zohar. And this is the beginnings of Kabbalah and Jewish mysticism. 
This book and the rise of Lilith through this has been the subject of many, many, many books and academic studies. And it is the book of Zohar itself is a phenomenal piece of work and is far, far beyond my capabilities to talk about in a short podcast for a non-specialist who doesn't really know too much about it. Um, there are a few people on YouTube that I would maybe suggest you go and have a look at. Um, one of the guys that I really like is the Esoterica podcast, not Esoterica podcast, the Esoterica YouTube channel. So there's a few sources out there which I would you'll get better um, discussions on it than I can give here. The Book of Zohar, um, just as a very brief introduction, is most likely have written by someone called Moses de Leon around 1280 in Spain, though he does credit the work to come from the teachings of a rabbi known as Simeon ben Yochai from the first century. But most people reject it. Uh, most scholars reject that and believe that de Leon was the actual writer of of, of the book. Um, and then there's also written a little bit before the book of Zohar is the treatise on the left emanation. And this was written by Rabbi Isaac Hakohen, uh sometime between 1260 and 1280. And these are kind of like the first scholarly books that show a comprehensive concept of evil, that separation between good and evil. That's another hole to delve down into that I'm not going to bother. So, uh, but yeah, these are the kind of this was the start of um, Kabbalah and Jewish mysticism. It was around this kind of time. This story that I'm going to tell is my retelling of a collection of bits on Lilith as she appears kind of throughout these books in short paragraphs and little bits around. So I'm by no means an expert on this. Um, I've tried to stay faithful as close as I can. Some of it is a little bit contradictory. I've smushed it all together from the various versions of Lilith that appears within the text. And I create a kind of short coherent story. In part two, I will actually break it down a little bit more and kind of talk about the meanings that arise from within this. Anybody who knows the Book of Zohar and the Treatise of Left Emanation, I'm sorry, I suppose. Um, but I feel that this kind of, without me breaking it down into discussions, this kind of gives me the, the gives you the tale of Lilith in early Jewish mysticism. So enjoy the tale. Samuel and Lilith were born as one. Born at the same hour and in the image of Adam and Eve, reflecting what is above. Born of the king Cassiphone, his mate Mahetabal, who is daughter of Matrid. Their daughter, the lesser Lilith, is mated with Asmodeus, the great king of demons. Married to Samael, Lilith, the first of his four wives. Mother of demons, host to hosts of unclean spirits. Bound together by Tanin Iver, blind dragon, without eyes, without colours. Samael is the slant serpent, and Lilith the tortuous serpent. Their children were the Lilin, who God did not want filling the world, so castrated Samael. Unhappy with being unable to fornicate with Samael, Lilith travelled the night and sought out men with whom to lay. Those men, unaware of what has befallen their seed, became ill. 
The serpent and harlot seduced Eve and mounted her. Adam then mounted Eve while she was menstruating, this being the filth and impure seed of the serpent, bringing about the ruination, the sins of Adam, his corruption, turned evil Lilith to him with lust, and she rode him and bore many demons and spirits and Lilin. So there you go. Um, a few tales, a few stories um, from the very early parts of where Lilith may have arisen from, up to where we start to see her appear in um, Jewish law, Jewish religious ideas. I will discuss this in more detail and the connection to the donkey later. So, yeah, in part two, which will be longer, uh, I'm going to have a look at the historical context and etymology of where Lilith may have come from. It involves translation problems between Hebrew, Greek, Latin and Sumerian and a few other ancient languages. It goes in. I'll go into the traditions in the Talmud, which involves the amulets and the incantation bowls. Um, the translations in Greek especially kind of connect her to the mother, to maybe being the mother of vampires and a half donkey creature of the desert um, and how she is now kind of seen as a modern day feminist icon though to do her any justice I feel I don't think I can I don't think I really can do Lilith any justice in just this small podcast that I have I don't have the time or the money to look into all the literature that I would love to look into on this but i will as i say i've put all the sources in in the show notes of where i've got stuff from there is a vast vast quantity out there for you to look at both some good some not so good some people who have literally just read the wikipedia articles and some people who haven't i'm hoping that i can just scratch the surface here for you and provide the very smallest snip snippets tidbits with the understanding history and kind of modern appeal, I suppose, of Lilith, as she appears in modern society. I might do a part three where we look at her in um, computer games and anime and all sorts of other modern things, but I doubt it. We'll see. Anyway, I do hope you enjoyed this introduction to Lilith. Part two will be quite heavily discursive rather than any story, so be prepared. So, as I say, I hope you do enjoy that. If you want to get in contact with me, uh, I have an email address. I am over on Twitter, and I have a Kofi. I'm also on Facebook, but if anyone, if you're a regular listener here, you know I don't pay any much attention to those. But you can find me. I occasionally go on Twitter, so you can actually find me there occasionally. Yeah, so poke me in things. All like all the contact will be in in the show notes. So this can be probably quite a chunky show notes. This one, I think, feel I've got lots of links to put in there. So, yeah, anyway, thank you very much for listening. And all that is left for me to say is goodbye, my friends.